Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey everyone, John Roca here. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. I have to wait. I have to wait longer for Wonder Woman 84. Longer. But it might be good news. But you'll have to wait even longer for Iron Fist and Luke Cage because they are truly heroes for hire. Oh. I'm so sorry for that and news. And we're going to get some early reactions to Daredevil Season 3. Yes. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for an awesome show last week. Jessica Parker Kennedy seems amazing. She's, she's the sweetest. We missed you very much, but welcome back. And we have a, a gamut of television news and some miscellaneous news. And we are joined today for episode 276 by Talis and Jaffe. Oh, shit. Oh, that's you. you. Oh, my God. Oh, that's you. I'm so happy to be here. Hi. Oh, good hi. To see you, man. <laughs> it's good to see Voice you. Voice actor, professional nerd, and one of my favorite people Aww. in the universe. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm How so excited. How are you excited. doing today? I'm doing really good. I've, I woke up and read comic books. It's that's great. the best breakfast. It's the best, it's the best breakfast. <laughs> the actual breakfast of champions was had today. <laughs> so this week, we found out a bunch of release date shifts, and the biggest one was Wonder Woman has been delayed by seven months. And this is usually, anytime a movie gets delayed, there's concern but in this case with a june release date i feel like this is a move of confidence not of fear and i think that once the dust settles the internet can finally agree uh it's always <laughs> scary when a, a date moves but i think that putting something on a, on a summer release date is just like by the way we got this what do you guys think about getting i know it's a push for seven months but what do you guys think about june i went on a whole emotional journey with this where i was like <laughs> what delayed but they're filming what's going wrong is it the script and i was i was like seven layers of worry <laughs> deep before i looked at the actual information and went okay it is no longer releasing literally one month after Joker. Yeah. It is now releasing in June, and they're using language about the changing landscape. Uh, so, you know, super out there, but there was a related story that uh, that there was, like, a quiet removal of one of the Marvel movies from that summer. Um, it was That movie hadn't been titled or, like, it was just a date with a placeholder, and they took it off the schedule so they could move Jungle Cruise there. Okay. Um, mm. Which I think was get either getting out of the way of Frozen or Star Wars or I don't know. Too um, many movies. Yeah. The Disney story. So that one had, it, people were reporting on it because they were guessing, oh, was that the planned date for Guardians 3 and is that gone now? Now, granted, in movie time, two months of summer is a universe, so I'm not sure it's reasonable for me to look at that and be like, oh, did Marvel vacate their superhero spot for that summer so DC saw an opening to own mm. the summer? I don't know. That's two, it's two months. That's way too much time. I'm not sure that's reasonable. But the language that they've used about coming back to their home, releasing in June again, which I think is a great idea, yeah, I, uh, and mm. about the changing landscape providing an opportunity could mean that something behind the scenes, they're like, ooh, we thought we'd be going up against something, and that thing isn't going to happen. We can have June. Yeah. 
Also, it is replacing the plan date for six million or billion dollar man. So, oh, the Marky Mark. Yeah, I, it's it might just be ordinary <laughs> movie shuffle. I don't. And I, seven months of CGI and tweaks, I think, is always the good move. Like, that's, if you that's have always great. That's always great. And it is that checkers game. Anytime, anytime you have a, a especially a vacuum during summer, like anybody who takes a piece off the board, someone's gonna. I mean, if you have. If you have a strong token to put down on that date, you you slap that down, and that was Why is that was not... that was kind of a baller move. In my oh, opinion. I think so. Why yeah. is there not a tabletop game where you are trading advantages for like open Mogul weekends or... as different studios? Yeah, the three of us would play. But I, would play I worry that about game. the rest. Uh, would the country be like box office mojo? The game, like, is that a thing people would enjoy? I'm in, but I, I agree. I think that it's it's definitely the vacuum of summer is tricky. Anytime there's a release date in the summer that is either a movie that doesn't feel deserved or if there's just like a weird. Like week it feels you feel it yeah like the summer is for like oh my god we're overwhelmed with movies so i think this is a really smart move and i also think it shows the confidence in dc with one woman 84 which they should have if, if this had been like january i would be panicking right now going oh no oh no they put it on march 12th and we're uh. all like what is this movie not as much of a death as it used to be not, not, not as much. Zack Snyder, it better movie. not be because captain marvel's coming out in march <laughs> marvel movies don't count <laughs> money just yeah. money but wonder woman 84 i think is a, a good move with dc i think they need a good summer release i think that's a really like with this rebuilding and i was wondering if the changing landscape was implying the way the things are going to be restructured as far as the dc movies go i'm wondering mm. if this sets up things when i read changing landscape in regards to woman 84 i thought maybe this was the beginning of this reshaping of the entire dc universe maybe this spins into the next phase of justice league like things this next crossover this next i'm not this is i mean conjecture it's not even a rumor but i would love if the end of this like a post-credit scene was the world of dc expanding maybe a green lantern post-credit scene something that would be like oh we've had till june to wow. film this i know i'm just swinging for wow. the fence here but what if they have till june so now they have six months to set up things and they can film something that can set up the world you are you are i i you're you're a beautiful innocent child optimismboy.com always and not panic money reasons because it's usually panic money it's reasons. usually panic money reasons especially when it comes six to more months for hell jordan and john stewart to get cast oh. i'm just saying i would love that now i believe someone pointed out if if i've got these dates right that this new date puts it four months after birds of prey I believe so, yeah. So that that'll be that, like I don't expect there to be a story connection between Birds of Prey and a 1980s Wonder Woman story, but it'll be an interesting like the DC universe we're getting out of that year because we now know that next year will be just Shazam and Joker, mm-hmm. right? Um, officially for big screen DC stuff. Yeah, uh, which, which I is, like. I, I want I, I want there to have time to breathe. They need I did a year. Wonder if it's because Joker is turning out good that they want to like. <laughs> I mean, not that they were ever planning to bury a movie that they're putting a bunch of money in because that doesn't make sense. But, like, I do wonder if, like, spacing them out, they're sort of like, oh, we do have a DC thing that fall. Literally a month before the planned release of this movie. We should look at this crowdedness and maybe make a choice. Oh, this is looking great. People are excited. Okay, move it along. Move it I, along. I, have, I have barely enjoyed any of the DC movies, but every time they announce one, it's like I'm like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the bloody football, and I'm so, I'm so excited for both of them. And Stay I'm really, optimistic. I am somehow. I, I Joker looks really good. Yeah. I'm kind of into it. And this is this is not even a rumor. This is pure like coy fanfic. Imagine. If 1984 Wonder Woman post-credit scene is still in 1984, if Tom Cruise is cast, and then they use older Hal Jordan as a mentor to John Stewart, have <laughs> young Tom Cruise in the 80s, a la Top Gun, bring him into Wonder Woman, and then when it drops, you've met him in a post-credit scene. Now he's older. We've earned Hal Jordan's legacy. Boom, buddy cop movie in space. Lethal Weapon 5. 
Only if old Carol Ferris is in this somehow. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Only if she's like, you're not doing this again. We've and she's been cast age-appropriate. Let's, yes. let's, yes. oh, let's, let's just go past it. Let's just get, let's get Guy. Let's get John. Let's get Kyle. Let's get all Bring of them in, in there. Yes. Let's, just have, let's just have, like, the Green Lantern, like, road show for, like, a... I would, Bill Burr I would watch for that. Guy Gardner. <gasps> <laughs> so that is my dream for Wonder Woman 84 getting released in the summer. It, it involves Green Lantern. It involves hopes and dreams. It involves make-believe. But it is exciting for business reasons and not exciting for business reasons is the fact that iron fist and luke cage are truly heroes available for hire what do you guys think about uh the cancellation of both of these shows in the last week tell you want to take this one oh boy uh sure uh it i it it was coming it was inevitable um i think that we're going to see i think we're seeing the slow decline end of netflix marvel I think these were just the, the two no. easiest targets. Yeah. It's it's gonna happen. I like it's it, there's there's no sense if you're Disney. There's no sense of giving your stuff to other people. I think they're just I think they're realizing they want to bring all of their babies home. And I think may there's a there's an infinitesimal chance that we might see some of this stuff on like a streaming service later. But uh, it may be it may be a long time before we get a reboot. Or maybe these characters will show up in like Daredevil season four. I feel like Daredevil's going to go on. I feel like Punisher... We, we already have Punisher Season 2. We already yeah. have Jessica Jones Season 3. And I feel like Daredevil will go on because Ted Sarandos, uh, one of the high-ups at Netflix, actually said, we own these characters, and they're, as long as their numbers are good, we're going to keep making them. So he he's got to... in mm. between the two cancellations, which yeah, confused did. the heck out I of me. I think he was saying, like, well, the numbers were good on these two, we, we felt, and look, we still have these. I feel like that was a confidence there, move in the ones they've kept, but cut to this Friday, they might cancel another one. I wonder if there's a lockout clause the same way that, like, that, like if you... As long as you use, like, the fantastic four mm-hmm. where as long as they made a fantastic four m- movie every x number of years they m- maintain the rights i wonder if there's like a rights lock for characters like luke cage and iron fist That'd be interesting and a-, a phrase he used was i believe these shows are ours to cancel yes. which i think was him reassuring investors or, or telling investors uh whether or not it's true that disney can't lean on us to make the shows go away um whether or not they might hope to like it, it's it's one thing to tell the people who are paying you don't worry, we are making our own decisions. It's another to actually deal with the reality of needing to cooperate with these companies. So I think it could still you, be a factor. You, you also can't lie to your investors. There's actually, I believe it's, no, it's like there's a legal thing that you can't, you can't lie to the board. Like anything there are you no say. no laws anymore. Yeah, I know. It's- Turn on the news. What do you mean there's rules? I'm trying to get over my water addiction right now. I've been told oh, that like. <laughs> not become addicted to water. Uh, anyway, I think they might show up. Aside. I think they might show up as as body if they do like the uh, Daredevil out for next season, where like you know you know the Daredevil the Bendis Daredevil. Yeah, line. he's a fully. We like, might get like Iron Fist and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage's like bodyguards for Matt. For oh, Matt, that'd be amazing. And that'd be really cool. Oh, the red suit. Go back to the Bendis. Yeah, yeah. like the, that Ellis flavor. Yeah, I'd be love that. Fun. So one thing that interested me about these two cancellations is that I would have expected them coming less than a week apart. Uh, in some ways, they seem like they should be about the same thing. But the reporting around them made them sound like they're about different things. Um, and I'm referring here specifically to the Deadline Hollywood article about the Luke Cage cancellation. And creative differences? Yeah, which was... It was I really didn't expect it, and I don't, you know, I'm not in those rooms. I don't know what their sources are. I don't know if it's true, although Deadline Hollywood isn't exactly just some blog. Right. Um, it, it used to be, but uh, that was years ago. Uh So what they said is essentially that everything was moving along on Luke Cage. They had writers, uh, they convened a writer's room months ago. They had drafts that just came in last week. And that there was some kind of thing behind the scenes of like maybe turning 13 episodes into 10. And then that turned into a fight. And then Disney was siding with some of the creatives and Netflix was on a different or, or Netflix and Disney are crossed. But there was like 
having trouble locking it down internally. And the like, the article made it sound very dramatic, and it's why I, I hope this is true because I don't want to just repeat it if they're sensationalizing. But they basically said everything went from probably going to falling apart in like forty eight hours. I got the same vibe, but I also got the vibe that, like, it was a lot of people saying... It, it seemed like a lot of, like, this guy said, this guy said. Yeah. And I don't know how much we can believe that, especially with the timing. Because, I mean, 48 hours going away, that's insane. But also, the show ended on such a complicated note. Like, mild spoilers, the very last episode, the way they left Luke Cage is, like, where would this show go? And I want to see that, and I'm really bummed about losing both of these shows, especially in the last five minutes of both of them was some of the best five minutes of the shows. Uh. Like, going into season three in either of these shows would have been a very interesting take on these two characters, but in that, it's interesting they both got canceled, where I can see creative differences being a problem with how Luke Cage ended. He's, like, more Kingpin than Luke Cage. So it's like, where would that show go? Uh, I'm really curious. Go to Angel Season 5. Wait, no, that's not a spoiler. You haven't seen it yet. Shit. <laughs> have you not seen Angel, I'm Angel watching Season Buffy 5? For the first time. Oh my God, we're going to have a I'm conversation when you hit. <gasps> I'm reliving childhoods. Oh but, man. But it's interesting with Luke Cage, this going away and that going away, I think it is a sign of the Disney streaming service. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news for the very excited internet, but I do not see these shows getting canceled, meaning here is for hire. I don't see. No. Daughters of the Dragon is, is maybe 5% more likely, but only in that the characters are probably less being pulled into the Disney streaming service and the way Iron Fist ended. But I, I don't think that Disney wants to share all their puzzle pieces if they're building something of their own. Why would they? Like, it's not like DC is licensing out characters while they're building DC's streaming service. doesn't make sense. But what's interesting to me is if they keep these casts. Like, Mike Coulter is Luke Cage to me. Would that be someone they put in an Avengers movie? Or would I have to wait 10 years to get a new Luke Cage so I don't associate with Mike Coulter? Legally speaking, do you have to pay Netflix and Shio Hidari Coker if you use Mike Coulter Luke Cage in something? Probably. Well, I don't wait, know. If you use him, as a cast wouldn't there be actually I don't know how legal IP works yeah, yeah it, it, I w- it would depend on who because because they're using they're using oh god what's her name Quake from uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Johnson is also doing voiceover for, for the same character in, in, in a different Marvel medium. property yeah. right so I and her likeness is in the comics so I doubt they're paying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the likeness of a character that they have yeah I, I think they probably own the likenesses they just it's just the television rights to these characters so it might eh, who knows so I mean, I'm sure that, that I was thinking like if if Defenders hadn't existed, then I would think that Heroes for Hire like would make a great logical step of like you know if we hadn't already tried putting them all together, uh, a combo series replacing these would make a little more sense to me. Or if we didn't have the streaming mm-hmm. service on the horizon, I could get where they were sort of like, okay, we've got people interested, but we need something really buzzy. Yeah. Uh, because one of the other things that was floating around this week, uh, and I again. I I'm, take it with a grain of salt because I haven't independently checked out the source, but Business Insider uh, published an analysis that someone ran on social media, uh, and they found that sort of social media interest in the periods of release for each of the Netflix series, like everybody has a decrease between season one and season two, sure. but uh, the decreases were more dramatic for mm-hmm. Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Now, in some senses, I feel like that's a little unfair because like Luke Cage season one was so buzzy that it's like, well, of course there's going to be drop-off. Netflix Luke Cage broke. one broke Netflix. <laughs> Like, yeah. But, you know, if that was, the, the, as the article was pointing out, like, we don't have viewer numbers for Netflix. So it's possible that that social media drop reflected a drop in viewership. Although, mm. I, I don't, we don't know. We're all just guessing. And it's a real bummer because I, I think that Iron Fist improving from season one to season two in the way that it did, the way that show became more Iron Fist, the way they learned lessons, it's a real shame because what season two became, I would have loved to see season three of that world. Like, the, what season three was shaping up to be would have been the Iron Fist I think everyone wanted season one to be. I just don't think that people wanted to wait two seasons to get there. And that's that's totally understandable. We don't have 20 or 
three hours of patience. It's not the 90s anymore. We yeah. can't wait two seasons for a show to get the good. The Gen X pilot this, wouldn't this exist today. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's a bummer. I would love there to be Heroes for Our Show. I do agree that would mm. be the best solution. I just don't think it's a solution legally or with the Disney streaming service. But the we, may get, we may get guests on Daredevil is my feeling. We may, we may. get some, get some guesting. And, and speaking of Daredevil, uh, Daredevil Season 3, no spoilers. No. We will not spoil a thing for you. We promise zero spoilers. But In part because these two have finished it and I have <laughs> begun. Um, although I don't think it's a spoiler to say that I am team nuns yelling at Matt Murdock 2K forever. Oh, man. It's my favorite thing. It is. There are a lot of nuns yelling at Matt Murdock. Yeah, you're in that early, very gothic Catholic episode season set. But it's set. so <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. Oh, it yeah. just, it, like, oh, man. <laughs> That's my, the, the, I'll, we'll start with me because y'all have more substantial things to say. Um, but, like, just sitting down with this, it was one of those, like, I didn't know how much I missed you, show. I didn't know how much I missed you, cast. I didn't know how much I missed, like, how very clearly Daredevil this is. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, like, a toast to the, the team on this one. Daredevil. Um, <laughs> a coffee toast. But, you know. I feel like it is arguably my favorite property out of Marvel, and it's really interesting how much people huh. think of me as an MCU shill, but I think that Netflix long form... The Avengers is long form in that it's a bunch of movies, effectively. Like it's a series of shows as movies. It's there's a there's a show bible leading to phase one, two, and three. But what Daredevil is able to do is you're as invested in the villains as the heroes. And it took us to get to Thanos through that in the movies. Whereas Wilson Fisk is arguably the protagonist, and like to us at points, and he has as much screen time as Charlie Cox. And I really like that Thanos did that very well. But Daredevil does it in a way that you're invested in everyone that Kingpin touches. Like when. Anything on the the personal level happens, you feel it a little bit more because of the way the show is founded the, the, and the fight scenes can't be touched. The, the, the sheer corruption of the character is so powerful. Just watching watching him move through the world and literally everything effect, he touches, effect, effect. everything he touches just rots. It's like a daily just, dusting. Yeah, it's more. It's not one moment. Thanos, I feel like, was an amazing moment to build to, but I feel like every episode, Kingpin has a little bit more corruption and it evolves and it shapes and, more like the real world. And I I love what they did with Vanessa. She doesn't have a lot of screen. She doesn't have nearly enough screen time uh but boy when she shows up it's everything you want and more and it's it's i'm looking forward to if we if we get our season four which i really hope we will i'm looking forward to seeing where they go with her because she is spectacular when she when she's finally taken off the leash so. and, and this season did a thing that i don't think i've seen another property handle quite as well and that it felt like the netflix grounded dark and gritty but the comic book action it felt like a comic book when the fights were oh. happening to the point like it was like 90s comic book action but real Anytime I stopped to think about it, I realized how ridiculous everything happening That's on the screen I mean, was. When you I was, stop, I was, then you notice. I'd, like, I'd hit pause and be like, oh, I, and we can mention the other villain, or are we not mentioning the other villain? I think uh, they're it's in, in the trailers. Trailer. Yeah. So Bullseye is a character I have very mixed feelings about. I'm not, a, I'm not a big Bullseye fan, except when he's written really, really well in the comic books, which has been like three times. <laughs> Fair. Uh, now four. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably, this is the best bullseye we've gotten, and yes. his origin, which is, I won't say which episode, because that feels like a light spoiler, but yeah. there's, an, there's an episode where Bullseye gets a full origin, and it's Phenomenal. an art house film. Yeah. It's a full art house film, and it's the whole brilliant. episode feels like it's completely removed from any need for comic book done, but then when you sit down, when you stop and go, oh, wait, he's doing, like, all of the things he does, you're like, oh, that's a, yeah, what? Like, every time I, like, stop the tape to be like, oh, my God, they're, they're doing a, a Bullseye Daredevil fight scene, and I, I just, I haven't even, I haven't stopped to think this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. This is ridiculous. He's picking up pencils and like and like staplers and and just 
and it's working. And it's and you're like, I'm into it. Oh what, my god. What I love is the way that that faith in what they're doing. Uh, like even just from the the beginning that I've watched, one of the things that really struck me uh, about like this season especially is that they seem less afraid than they ever have been of the fact that they are doing comic book material, mm. which means you can have symbolism, mm-hmm. you can choose thematic elements, you can foreground them. Like all of the the Matt in church stuff is like. It it would be easy to poke fun at it not being strictly realistic, but like that's not the point of this kind of story. And they are leaning into the strengths of the material that they have so chosen, well. and that's what I want for my adaptations. If you are picking this <laughs> Catholic who dresses up like a devil, this self-loathing, seeing blind man, like figure Go out what <laughs> your options are and lean into them. Like and and so yeah, I, that just made me really happy and. No spoilers when a certain character says his own superhero name. It was a real, also, real nice moment. there are moments as the season evolves where the writing feels as strong as the visuals. That's as vague booking as I can get. Yeah. Uh, there are, by the second half of the season, there are moments where the first half of the season, I feel like, leans into the visuals of it feeling like a comic book show. Mm. The second half of the season feels like it leans into the verbiage and the Very language much. of a comic book. Ooh. Very that's much. Spoiler. I feel like that's spoiler-free. That's spoiler-free. That was hard. Ooh. But it gets there. Uh, it really does. And it's- I was so impressed that where the show landed, the last few episodes, I was like, oh, this is the most comic booky thing I've ever seen. But you're so invested in the drama of the characters and the actors are delivering the line so well that it doesn't feel like it until you like have watched the credits and go oh i just survived that comic i read in the 1994 like and and it hits all the themes and it hits the thing like those like and it's it's daredevil it's repentance it's confession it's just like it's all the things you want out of out of like out of a good daredevil story yeah. everybody's going in the right direction <gasps> i was never on my phone for 13 hours and that's insane my phone was in another room and i and i <laughs> and then i so i watched this i got the press stuff so i watched this a few weeks back for the first half and then i filmed reviews because i wanted to talk about it so bad and i never known to talk to so i literally <laughs> filmed me talking to me and then i slowly dropped those on twitter this whole time but then re-watching me watch the first six episodes i got excited all over again and then rewatched the first six episodes <laughs> it's, and it's that good may, and i was still not on my it phone it may be the best season of daredevil it may be like it's, season it's two introduced the punisher so half of like season two fun. was almost the best season of daredevil and that's what are like the comparison of like how amazing season one was to two to three this is why this show is really special it's not just a really good comic show it's a really good show on television that has a guy dressed as the devil in it yeah and you and you don't need to know a thing nothing you, 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 you can go in blind you can go in never yeah. having read a comic book before but if you do know by the time oh, you get to certain episodes like i reading people being like the twist and blah 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 i was like oh like i got to experience people experiencing something that was exciting to us in the 90s with a comic mm-hmm. and that was really cool because they did it justice but they also left enough like seeds that everyone got to experience it probably 80s daredevil is what you want to look at the, all the nsc yeah. stuff and mm-hmm. of course the marvel knight stuff which I think, like I, like, I feel like we haven't talked enough about how much Marvel Knights, the comic book line, influenced these takes. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, like, because I've always called out that these are obviously, this is the cast of Bendis' New Avengers. That would have been but, the 80s. Yeah. I, bet I read them yeah. in the 90s, and I, my brain just didn't put together they were like, new. <laughs> <laughs> like, that just happened. You, not, like, Frank I was Miller like, wasn't. I'm pretty sure you're talking about the 80s. But Correct. It's, uh, yep. Uh, I, I, but yeah, so the, the Marvel Knights line, like I, I think we had, that was clearly a strong influence on all the stuff oh, they're yes. doing. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna circle back to the previous topic just long enough to say that if, if there's any chance, like here's the argument for why Heroes for Hire or Darkness of the Dragon should maybe be something they're considering, even though I think it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does plug a hole, like this beautiful universe that is gonna carry on, like 
you know, if, if Daredevil 3 was terrible, we'd be like, okay, get ready to wrap it up. Maybe just Jessica will be a solo show. I will live with it just being about detectives and not being super stuff. But, like, this is working. You have a thing that's going, and you do have a hole in your schedule of, like, you have a hole in your production schedule, but you also have a hole in sort of your taking a look at all kinds of people in the Marvel Universe. Mm. Like, Luke Cage mattered a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. And it's gone, and that kind of sucks. But Daughters of the Dragon would be a really cool step for a lot of folks and something we haven't seen before. Um, so that's my wild pitch because I'm too excited about Netflix Marvel. I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know it's not. But that's why it should. I'm trying so they can meet Daredevil in season I'm trying to think if I have any other praise to, to, to I'm trying to. I mean, all my stuff is very specific, and I, it's I, hard. I will also say fight choreography was, was somehow they, they brought it up a notch. And he, he really, like, I, I want to say that I had this moment, like, watching one of, one of the fights where I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a boxer. And like, that's a, several times I'm like, that's right, Daredevil's a boxer. Wow, this is boxing. Holy cow. And they <laughs> shot it in a way that it felt like a boxing movie at points, and then it shifted mm-hmm. right back to comics, shifted right back to martial arts. And, and I really... So next week, uh, we'll be having a special guest on to talk about that very special stunt coordinating and fight choreography that I am so excited to break down with you guys. And I think that the show... Uh, like People got to realize that as soon as that mask goes on, that team is a different team, and they need more love. Like The, the fact that the stunt coordinators in these shows... like These superhero things exist because of a very certain set of people that don't get the millions of dollars and the gold statues, and they should uh and this show in particular there are many fights that can't exist until now we've had to fight our way through film and tv to get to this point and there they was land. there was the maskless fight is all i'm gonna say and i watched that twice to see how they pulled it off i was very impressed yes and like it's it's a piece of work but like and trust in the show if you haven't gotten there yet that the show gets even more comic-y know that all the things you want to see pretty much happen uh they stay true to the roots of the character but it feels like both the netflix daredevil they built and the comic daredevil and that is a hard line to walk and i think they really did it oh yeah so next week we'll go into spoilers next week we'll have a full spoiler review this was very hard to vague book but it's only been out for like five days so i was like i don't want to do that to people uh but next week we'll go full spoilers and we have some special guests to tie into that very exciting time next Watch couple daredevil. weeks we'll probably mm-hmm. still be talking daredevil yeah. So we've got some minor mutations for you guys to dive into. A lot of news broke this week. Wanted to grab the first one? Uh, Shea Wiggum reveals uh, what will be happening in Joker. Uh, an interesting revelation about some some cops. I love Shea Wiggum. <laughs> uh, Tom Holland showed off the new spider suit. Paparazzi had gotten lots of photos. They got ahead of that by going on Kimmel, and it was all the fun. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> Spider-Verse released a music video with new footage and reminders of how excited we are for this movie. Please oh, be man. December. Please be December. <laughs> in less exciting news. We have our first look at Bane, and, uh, you know, the internet has often wanted me to be negative, and I would rarely do, but I put this in just for you guys. <laughs> the Joker movie has uh, a different part of Gothamverse, uh, has cast a young Bruce Wayne and Alfred. We Whoa. can talk about what that means. <laughs> and, well, we have a rumored shortlist for Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe. It's a lot of people just throwing spaghetti at the wall, I think. And apparently it's under the code name Hot Christmas. Shane Black? <laughs> Random guesses about that. Uh, I, I called this one Pointless Guardians Guessing. And we have <laughs> pictures of sea beasts from Aquaman. I don't know why this movie has my number, but I'm so in. Spoilers, that's going to be my reaction. And spoiler alert, I counted the number of mutations so I could say this one. So I was like, Amy, take the first one because variant hip-hop covers from Marvel are going to be on real vinyl. My worlds are colliding in a way that I would never even have dreamed of. My dreams have been coming true for 10 years in the MCU, but this is a dream I didn't even know I had. This is the strangest. Let's just start right there. I'm... (laughs) <laughs> we added the 
this one last second, and we point the point, made a point of not explaining it to you until we got <laughs> yeah. on the air because it's so delightful. Uh, do you want to do the honors? I would love please. this. Okay, please. So I am a huge hip hop head. I love vinyl and Marvel. Hip hop variant covers are beautiful they because are. they are a love letter to the iconography of what hip hop can be when done well, but with a Marvel tinge that I didn't think they'd. When they announced it, I was like, "What a shameless gimmick!" And then the covers came out, and I was like. Oh, they feel it. They understand the that. Was my, that was my exact same feeling. Sec, this happened in approximately 2015. There was a mm. line of, in the regular comics, uh, you'd get your random issue of X-Men, whatever, and one of the variants would be uh, part of this, one of the optional other covers was part of this line that went for like a year, year and a half. They were cranking out different ones, and they were all based on classic hip-hop albums, uh, but with art by some of Marvel's most wonderful collaborators uh, redone in, like, with featuring mutants. So there was a, a Lauren Hill one with Kamala Khan on it that mm. I loved to Spider-Man's death. All Eyes on Me is one of my favorites. Like, the Tupac Spidey team-up was a yeah. hell of a beautiful thing. Now, So that was all in the past. It was like, oh, that was fun. They made a collection of them. People sought them out. I was a little irritated how hard it was to get them for people. It's fine. <laughs> retailer problems. Uh, but they were beautiful, and they were out there, and it was done. Until... Universal Music... That mega conglomerate of all those licenses has officially signed a deal with Marvel to press physical albums that you can actually buy of Marvel hip-hop variants. So, does it's that... It's the old m- albums with the Marvel okay, covers. Okay, so it's the, actual, it's the actual albums, but with the Marvel covers. It's Mama Said Knock You Out, but with, with- Marvel on it. So imagine, like, we well, just... Well, I'm t- buying all of these, <laughs> obviously. Thing. What a great, like, way to get people back to buy music, which is a dying industry. What a great way to get people to buy vinyl, which is, like, super in right now. Like, that's... There are actually more vinyls being sold than any other medium except digital. Great tie-in for business. And it gets people introduced. Like, say you're a fan of Spider-Man and you don't know Tupac except the five songs on the radio. This will get you into the All Eyes on Me. <laughs> this, will, this will show kids what real music is. This will introduce people to actual music. Like, I'm sorry, new age hip-hop but mumbling isn't rap. So please... Whatever, Dad. I'm just saying, I like words to be articulate and I like lyricism and wordplay and now kids will understand what hip-hop is. This is so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And that day, Koi aged 10 years. My day, Sizzurp was just something you found on the street. (laughs) (laughs) Bring back positive Koi. What are you wearing? What are you listening to? Cut your hair. (laughs) Pretty sure there's still good work being done in hip-hop. And also, I have... It'll be really interesting. I, I... I hope that... I assume it, it's le- not that likely to me that a random kid is going to accidentally buy these classic vinyl limited edition things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, because if random eight-year-olds wander home with these, uh, their parents are going to have They'll have, have my childhood. They, they better uh, have a vinyl player also, which is like yeah. a thing. So I think we're safe from the accidental misbuy, but you might be right that it'll, like... It's 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 cool and random and exciting. I wonder like I'm if the it. artists had a choice in this or if they're like a totally psyched. I mean, a cool. ton of those artists are huge comic book fans. So like Fifty Cent, Get Richard I Tryin' with Iron Man on the cover makes sense for everyone. <laughs> I, I, I imagine they had no choice, but they're also probably psyched because because yeah, once 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 you once you buy that art, that art is yours. So mm. and a reissue of these albums means they're just going to make more money. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I meant like, the musical artists, but both. Oh, both. Huh? Well, the musical artists. Well, I don't. It's music music contracts suck. <laughs> God only knows. <laughs> But this big of an artist label teaming with this oh. big of a company is really exciting for a lot of reasons, and usually it's a lot more shameless than this, I feel. Like, and there's this only is, three yeah, that have been announced fair. so far, right? Do you, One was Get Richard 
Yeah, Fifty Cent's uh, Get Richard I Tryin', uh, Jizz's uh, Lord of Sword, Liquid Swords, and L Cool J's uh, Mama Said Knock You Out. Do, do we? Do we? Who? Whose covers were those? By the way, do we? Do we know? Was that like? I think one of them was a Spider Man cover, if I, I recall. I remember up. the Iron Man one, and then the, the Iron Man. Know, yeah. yeah, the other two I'm not sure of because I, I, the Tupac Spider Man I hope exists. That's the, that's my like wish list one, but I'm not sure of the other two. Uh, this dropped last night, right before the show, so I'm sorry I didn't get those. But mm-hmm. I, I just like I think it's a very exciting option, and I think that this could be a great beginning of something. It's a whole paycheck going to that now i'm just so, so excited <laughs> like i discovered jadena through uh luke cage season one and jadena is one of my favorite artists now yeah, yeah. and that was this great like i've seen him live three times and bought all stuff like it's really cool when these things combine because you like you said a lot of comic fans are hip-hop heads and it's a really i think it's a great opportunity to, to share the wealth and i just i had to talk about it. hey everyone john roca here udemy is the largest and most accessible online learning marketplace with the most courses teachers, and opportunities for students everywhere around the globe. Udemy has over 65,000 courses, from coding to comic book art, available anywhere on their website and app. One thing I love about podcasting and about listening to podcasts is the learning experience. To be able to open my ideas up to others and to listen to new ideas in a space that a decade ago wouldn't have been available to me. And you guys know that. I have a lot of podcasts that I host and I'm a guest on, so I enjoy what that podcast community can give back to me and what I can give back to them. That reminds me of another great learning tool I found the other day called Udemy. With over 65,000 courses, Udemy is the largest space for online learning. As I said before, they have courses on comic book art. Look, as the producer for Collider Heroes, I got to be on top of comic book stuff. I took a course for Udemy, gave me a whole new perspective on comic book art. It was really incredible. And Udemy has something for everyone. Whether I'm at home, at the desk, on the computer, or using their app on my phone, Udemy gives me access to new knowledge wherever I am. You guys need to check out Udemy. They've helped students all over the world improve their skills, their careers and their lives and they've helped me set up this exclusive offer for my listeners only go to ude.my slash collider right now that's ude.my slash collider right now and get 90 percent off when you sign up for classes you will not find a better price so sign up for classes now using my link ude.my slash collider and get access to life-changing classes for 90 percent off and make sure you download their app for your phone so you can stream your studies wherever you are. That's ude.my slash collider, ude.my slash collider. Hey, Collider fans, this is John Roca. If you're excited for Halloween, you are going to love all the thrilling shows Podcast One has to offer. Get ready for chills with some of the best crime and mystery shows around, like Beyond the Darkness, Serial Killer Podcast, Cold Case Files, Murder Made Me Famous, The First Degree, and so much more. Check out all these thrilling shows today on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's amazing. Were there any other minors that jumped out at you, Tal? Uh, any other witch? What any other of these minor mutations that you want to uh, lead only, up? Only, only that. That uh, did we talk about the uh, music video, or is that no? Uh, no, that's is that somewhere else? No, that's on here. It's, a, it's, it's uh, the Spider Verse music video. It's that like third one. I, I gotta say that I'm excited for Spider Verse. I'm somehow now more excited for the Spider Verse. That and man, I wish that the music in our animated movies was as good as this when we were kids, because that song is great. Uh, and. I almost want people not to see it because there's a lot of footage in that music video that, that yeah. builds a lot on what might be happening in the movie. And I, mm. I was almost, I kind of wanted to turn away because there was so much, but the video was so good and the song was so good. The word bubbles of his thoughts oh. popping up as the lyrics 
was one of my favorite it was, it things. Was opening, it was very Baby Driver. Yeah. It, it reminded me of the, the first 10 minutes of Baby Driver. It, was, it has me thinking, I wonder if the movie actually has more of that than we've seen because it's CGI and you can add that. So they're not revealing too much story. So you're going to actually have more of that because the more trailers come out, we see it more. I'd love, like, it looks so much like a comic. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful music video. And my God, I want to see this movie so I badly. can't wait for it. I would like, love, if you're free when this movie comes out, we need to have you come I back because I want to talk about voice acting. I was actually just going to say, like, let me know when you're going to see it because also that. We need, to, we need to make a group to, to go. Yeah, hero screening. Yes. Yes. There was actually a screening, a non-press screening tonight that I got an invite for. There's a what? Yeah. I, so I, yeah, I, I can't go because, you know, I do this now. But like there's a non-press screening for Spider-Man. So I know people are seeing it tonight and I had so much FOMO reading that email being like, I can't. So the world's going to start getting, we're going to start seeing reviews. We're going to start hearing things. I'm beyond excited. Uh, so Shea Wiggum. <laughs> yeah, talk about it. Shea Wiggum is an incredible actor that you've seen in a hundred things. Shea Wiggum is one of those that guys that you don't realize how great he is. He pops up in lots of stuff. He has revealed he is playing one of the Gotham police in the Joker movie. And that's the first we've had like minor role confirmation. And it's kind of shaping the narrative of what this movie is. It sounds more and more like a police crime beat movie in the 70s we talked about like the scorsese flavors and stuff but casting this good of an actor as a beat cop means i think we're going to see a lot more of the cops going after the joker than we'd expected i think there's going to be a lot more of like what the gotham police department is and i think it's going to be a lot more of what we thought gotham might have been like an actual the, gotham knights yeah uh, film. okay can we tie this into the fact that we have a uh, little kid bruce sure like, that's weird just to talk about like what is this movie shaping up to be well, I think them having a flashback is an option. I hope it's a flashback to Thomas Wayne with his kid and therefore Alfred. I hope there's not a 40-year-old Joker to a 10-year-old Bruce. I hope that it... I might Dude, if Thomas Wayne is alive, Bruce can't be that old. That's what I'm saying. I hope that's in flashback. Oh, I'm hoping but, that but that whole scene That is, whole, like, the, the sign with the misspelled running for mayor thing, that all makes it seem like... Like it's in the continuity like it's of the regular day. Like it's happening now in the movie. But how yeah. would Joaquin Phoenix's Joker be 40 years older than Bruce? Movie magic! Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm wishing at this point that they were starting to just label these Elseworld movies and just like let it be an Elseworld and 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 not get anybody's hopes up that this is actually going to become. I mean, like DC I has. I think they're close to doing that with this. I don't know if they've used the words, but they've said it's sort of in its own thing, and we kind of interpret that as Elseworld. Yeah, and they've and they've definitely like they've definitely said TV is TV, even like not all TV is TV. Like they, we have like five different. Uh, they, they've been almost anti-continuity for a lot of these movies, which. Given the circumstances that DC finds itself in, I think is the best option at the moment. Mm. But like, yeah, I, I I don't understand how to how to. That's my only that's my only reservation about this movie is how do you have a Joker without a Batman in that way? So my theory, because uh, his quote, so Shea Wiggum's mm. quote is quote We're investigating something that's just happened at the start of the piece. We're trying to get to the bottom of it, and it leads to where it leads to. You know, it's rare that I've been on a set that feels like it crackles. It's pretty amazing. I want to have an experience. I don't call it a job. I don't say that I have a job. I have a gig or a piece or a film or a show, but it's never a job. We're having an experience on Joker. Lovely quote from an actor, but the piece I got out of that is we're investigating something that's just happened at the start of the piece. I think at the start of the piece, everyone's gunned down. I think they're investigating uh, the Joker by way of, in the past, there's a cold case of Thomas, Bruce, and Martha being killed, and then flash forward, now they're uh, grizzled older cops. I think the thing they're investigating is the death of the Waynes, and they've got this young kid, and that's a flashback, and now the cops are dealing with this Joker that's evolved. Kind of like, like the Burton Batman? Yes. I'd like there to, but I don't want the Joker to have killed them. I hope that that's mm. a mislead, because that, that affects continuity yeah. too much. So if we 
so interestingly then if it's if it's about all of that then we've got the older joker belongs to the sort of present day of the movie right yes um so is Joaquin Phoenix also playing flashback Joker? Just I'd assume. Like, and that could be why there's so many Joker makeups and all. This is all just yeah. theory. I just This is all my piecing together a way that 10-year-old Bruce is the same age as 40-year-old Joaquin. This is all just my hopes and dreams. And him saying investigating, I'd assume they're investigating the Waynes. Mm. So that's my theorizing how they can cast a different Alfred, how they can cast a different Bruce and not mess up. Because I don't see a way logically that the Joker could be that much older than Batman later on. Even if it's an Elseworld, it doesn't make sense to have, like, the Joker and Batman are two sides of a coin. Venom was a stretch to have it without Spider-Man. Bat- Batman and Joker are even more peas of a pod. Mm. They're about the same, but they, they made it work. But we'll, I, that's my theory. It is, uh, it is interesting because it, it just reinforces the question we've already had about how you're going to do a Joker movie that ba- like where he's, he can't blame anything on Batman unless he's mad at a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, that young boy pushed me in a vat of chemicals. <laughs> what? <laughs> how? It is interesting. Okay, I don't think this is what's happening, but here's what I think should be happening. All right. Um, maybe this movie is the uh, ultimate counterexample to the, a, a very popular and widely shared idea that essentially Joker, like the, by, from Joker himself sometimes, that sort of he, respo- he rose in response to Batman. Like, you existed, so I had to exist. Um, you know, he likes to think of himself as a countervailing force. Um, but that leads people into all this psychological territory where they end up blaming superheroes for supervillains because they're like, well, we didn't have supervillain problems until you were here, and like a million different people have had that idea, and sometimes it's really fun and interesting, and sometimes it's like... Okay, don't just don't make the superheroes want to retire by blaming all of the psychos on them. Um, but it's an interesting and like very established piece of sort of comic book storytelling. Now it's possible that this movie is uh, doing a very sophisticated counter argument by saying even without a Batman, there would have been a Joker. Here's why or maybe, we need Batman. Maybe Batman's the response to the Joker. At yeah, that point. and and uh, it's. It's interesting oh. because I don't think that Scorsese's been sitting around like me being like, I'm mad about misinterpretations of the Joker. That's my Scorsese. It's not really. Um, Todd Phillips on the set of The Hangover like, you know, <laughs> I really think in 10 years or so I'm going to fix this whole Batman thing. Um, I, I don't think so, but like Maybe. now I think it would be cool. I, you know, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, <laughs> can we talk about another Batman villain? Yes. Bane... Is, uh, I'm gonna live forever. Bane's a very important <laughs> character. I think Bane gets uh, marginalized a lot, but if you read Bane in the comics, he's as smart as Bruce Wayne. He's raised in a prison. He's an intellectual. Him and Batman play a game of chess. They just both happen to be strong, but that's a very mental. It's 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 never a character I've been a big fan of. I always like looked at it as like Batman having like a complicated chess game with like the guy who wears the Max costume in the in the comic book. The Max like taking the purple suit <laughs> off. Mm. It's just. Just it's just so much back. But that that's the interesting thing is he's not just brawn. He's a character that gets to be brawn and brain, and that's a hard line to walk. Yeah. So I am very curious about this Batman, uh, this Gotham Bane, uh. because he is wearing a coat and a lot of mech uh, machinations, and he looks vaguely like a Power Rangers villain. He, he looks he looks like my my first uh, uh, Darth Vader Halloween costume after the mask broke. Is what <laughs> I, ju- I just like. it I'm doesn't wor- look that off to me like for 79. a TV version of Bane. It also doesn't strikingly if 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 movie Bane hadn't existed, I wouldn't recognize that this was Bane. That's the problem uh, I have. So it's not iconic. So that's a little odd. No. Uh, but, but movie Bane did exist, and they're doing their version of that, and I don't know why Bane exists at this point in time. I, like... So it, I, I'm not as down on it as you all, but I would prefer if he weren't in Gotham, but instead were going to be one of the leads in that Secret Six series that's maybe happening, because that's my favorite Bane. Yeah. Bane as, as sort of anti-hero bonding with the other jerk faces in Secret Six. Yeah. Um, like, like that. that's what I want to see. But, but it also, like, 
you know, I miss the the wrestling mask is part of who Bane is, yeah. and it connects to where he comes from. And it, it's, you know, you don't have to use every piece of somebody's uh, iconography when you put them into things. But I think a, a piece a of little... the iconography would be nice. <laughs> that's, the, that's I feel like we've we've like you said the movie thing. We've stepped so many steps away from Bane that this is another step, and it's leaving behind even the little pieces we have. And and, and I and I get that things have to be kind of simplified for television. Sure. And I I love television costume design. And I, I I I mean, thankfully we have friends who work on these designs, so we we have a sense of what works on screen and what doesn't. There's nothing about that that screams. That I'm swear it, like some some suits are like I swear I'm going to look good once I'm well lit and moving at a speed that one's not screaming that at me and like i literally put this in because the amount of time we i think it's so important to be positive and amy and i are just positive as people because it is there's so much bad on the internet and there's you can turn on any channel and be like well here's what suffering looks like instead i think it's important to have happiness and like i'd like to be a shining light but this was the first thing i was like i don't know what to say nice (laughs) and i thought that it was worth mentioning that like overall i think it's our mission statement to be like comics are an escape they're a beautiful thing movies are this beautiful freedom to leave the negativity of the world behind but what's that i'm looking forward (laughs) to being pleasantly surprised please It would be yeah. great. And I will check in now that I'm so confused. Now I have a reason to be like, tell me what this is. Oh, please. <laughs> okay, Hot Christmas. What do you think it means? Probably nothing. Shane Black. Movies get codenames sometimes. Do you think? I. It's the, the only, like, dream I have. Like, it's attaching Shane is to the... Is the connection that he loves Christmas? All of his movies with Predator are set at Christmas. Okay. He, he's, he thinks it... Basically, Shane thinks that when you put a, a Christmas setting, that ties the audience into the movie because everyone inherently has a feeling about Christmas. So you're already tied into the characters to a point, which I think is brilliant storytelling because you're at the offset with them. Uh, I think Hot Christmas is a very funny way to have that. I don't know if that's the case, it's, but... It's not the worst idea I've ever heard, but I, I, would love to, I would love to be even more surprised. I'm always, I'm always much happier and more excited about something when, like, they take a left turn that I didn't see coming at all. Oh, especially casting. Cosmic. Yeah, especially with, either with casting or with, with the director if they find, like, you know... You there can... was a rumor, the, the director shortlist rumor, mm. uh, I, I, I just put it on here as a, like, it, it sounds like they are talking to people. We don't know whether this is valid. It was of interest that all, all of the names on that particular shortlist were female. Mm-hmm. But I was debating where I was sort of like, I just want to get to a point where, like, that's normal and we can be like, these are the directors who are being considered. It doesn't have to mean something and nobody makes a big deal out of it when you only ask four dudes whether they want to make your movie. Yeah. So, like... I, that I was, I've now obviously gone and brought it up anyway, but I did think that was interesting uh, and, like, that they all looked like really interesting choices. If somebody's got to make a Guardians 3, which I hope someone's going to. I think we've succeeded like when one. it's not a female director directing Wonder Woman, female director directing Batman, female director, it's a female director directing movie. Yeah. I think that's when we will have succeeded. So if that's the case, the Guardians won't be like, look, we've got this person directing this movie because they're a lady. Like, it's like this person's a good director. I mean, I'm only, if me. that's what it takes to get those people through the door and get them some blockbuster credits, sure, yes. Sure. Do I think that some of them are going to bring unique, like, am I grateful to the moon that Patty Jenkins made Wonder Woman because she clearly understood a lot of the stuff that I was going to care about in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I do want to get to this point where we can hire like lots of people for lots of things. So essentially, I was really happy to see that shortlist. Yeah. Um, if it's Shane Black, then that's not it, but I'll probably enjoy the heck out of that movie. That, that's just my hope because I don't know why else you'd call it Hot Christmas, but there's a lot of things tying, like Rory's first kiss was one of the Batmans because Chris Nolan's kid, Rory. Like They, they do these things that's usually, atta- not usually occasionally attached to the director. So I'm hoping that that would be the association and I think that and sometimes code names that's are just a deep random. cut that's, yeah. I mean it's a it's a lot of leaps but what else like the movie had a script that they might be using now we don't know if James Gunn's script's going to be used the movie got delayed or not like there's so many variables with this movie that it's just, we're all just guessing I don't think anyone or really it's Luke Cage 
Uh, <laughs> meeting Mephisto. He's going to hell. Uh, he's going to uh, Damien Hellstrom. Hero on fire? And yeah, no, was... hot, so that's Hot Christmas. There, we solved it. Guardians 3 is about Luke Hot Cage. Christmas. That's so well we've done. actually covered a bunch of these. We only have two left. Uh, this week we were able to get through because it's, it's been a strange news week. Tom Holland is <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker is Tom Holland. Uh, he finally unmasked himself on national television and went really differently than Civil War. Yeah, didn't Jonah didn't pass out? I was, I was really thing? hoping for the paper bag instead Under of the, the cone. cone. Yeah, yes. that would have been great, but but I can live with the cone is funny. It was 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 the suit. In my imagination, it had a little bit of that Alec Ross uh, future suit vibe. A little bit of that. For me, it was a taste of Alex Ross, Superior, and Old Ditko. Because if you look at Old Ditko, he's, got the belty he's thing. Old Ditko's black with blue lines to make the black have color like the old comic sticks, the amount of shading. I really like the new so suit. So I think that it is a Ditko nod as much as it's... I don't think it's Superior Spider-Man because there's no, no way we're there. But a lot of people are tying that in, but it's a very iconic suit, so I see where people are guessing that. I think it's much more Ditko than anything. I want pit wings. Yeah. I want pit that wings That trailer, bad. that first time the pit yeah. wings came out. I'll just, I'll just keep the pit wings. Uh, but also the suit looks great in motion. I really like they had them flipping, they had them moving around, all of those things. I really think that the suit shows texture in a way that isn't just 3D printing, that the superhero thing mm. we've had for a while, the suit looks a little different. The, the, uh, yeah, the, it's a subtler texture, but it was still picking up the light really, really well the way you're, the, the, for the reasons that you put texture on these suits. Right. So that you can you can uh, make it look less like a spandex thing. And it's funny that it's black, but it looks more like the comics to me than his other suit. Because yeah. the line work is so much more comic-y that I was like, oh, they're going more traditional. I like the shapes black. that they chose for the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the breakdown of color in mm-hmm. the, the torso area. And the big That's spider in the back. Term. The big spider. The big spider was beautiful. I love. I love the big white spider on the back. And I, I. And like. I think I finally figured out why they put the plates on the. You know, because it's got that little bit of plating. Because where else are you going to hide wire work? In oh, like interesting. Oh, smart. I was going to say slimming. But I was thinking yeah. obliques, like to give <laughs> that muscular. I, I, I think it's so that they can actually attach wire work systems into the into the super tight costume. Okay, I that like is brilliant. And that Thank element you. of like the that superhero design. Uh, oh man, we're gonna we're gonna run out of time today. I know. <laughs> but, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, superhero design. In mediums other than comics, like I get, I get sort of obsessive about like pay attention to the comics and what's working in the comics and all this stuff. Like there were those interesting comics and comments from J. H. Williams on the Batwoman costume, mm-hmm. which I loved when I saw the Gotham Batwoman, yeah. or not Gotham, but the uh, Arrowverse Batwoman costume. But somebody asked J. H. Williams about it, and he sort of said, "I miss all the red accents." Here's what they do: they draw your eye to other elements of the shape. The bright colors reinforce the symbolic meanings of the color red that we associate with the character because of this. Like it, uh, there was a whole thing, and it was really interesting, um, but. Things like how do we design in ways that are iconic and practical because we have people in these suits, that's, that excites me because it, it, it's a, a, not just a we can't pull this off, but a how do we lean into the medium we're actually working in in a way that helps. And, and that, that makes me really excited. Like the, 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 I, Man, I wasn't, Manzi and I had a whole, hell, yeah. a whole bit session about the, about the Batwoman costume. So, oh, yeah. Ooh, interesting because yeah, I liked it. She she was of the opinion. I kind of agree. It looks great in still photos. She's like, I don't think it's going to move. Like she's Ooh. like, it's like the minute it's moving, you're going to lose so much definition in that thing because they they flattened it so. So bad. the bright red accents would she have helped. Like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thinking about the differences in mediums has been on my mind because of all the Elseworlds mm, stuff that's right. coming up and the fact that have the actors play other roles is a sort of. Uh, have the actors themselves be the other thing is a kind of unique to TV way to do superhero storytelling. Yeah. And that's hard, that's weird for me to say because I'm, you know, comics died in the wool, love it, always want people to live up to what's possible in comics, but paying attention to your medium and what's possible here that isn't possible elsewhere. We have all kinds of Elseworlds where like a normal Elseworlds 
would be what if Oliver Queen had grown up to be The Flash and Barry Allen had grown up to be Green Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> what you can do wait. on TV is literally have them be like, my name is Barry Allen, but you know you're looking at Oliver Queen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a thing, a power that you have because of the medium um, to instantly have that effect on people. And I think that's smart as hell. Okay, that's, mm. the, that's the end of my tangent. You're, you're I, absolutely right. <laughs> to, uh, on a final note with the costumes, I also think the three most important things for a superhero costume are really interesting that we just picked up in the mall because of our personalities. How they move, how they work, what the tech aspects are, the aesthetic from the comics and shaping the character, and the musculature to make sure they look like they're actually the person inside the suit. And those are the three things I think you need to look for. And how telling is it those are the three? Like, we all, yep. like, I was like, obliques, you were like, wire work, you were like, slimming, we all grabbed the things that I think those are needed. And that's how complicated super suits are. So my judging of Bane is very light because there's so much to go into it and there's so much in that. And also, that is also why I think Spider-Verse is going to land so well because that's a medium that doesn't get enough love theatrically mm. and that is the most direct medium from comics. That's why that might be one of the most accurate Spider-Mans we're going to get. How else are you going to do Spider-Ham? How else? <laughs> How else is John Mulaney going to play Spider-Ham? <laughs> so speaking of amazing voice acting and different mediums, right. uh, we wanted to take a small moment to talk to our special guest, Talos and Jaffe. I don't know why I keep looking it's behind It's still me. you. Yeah. <laughs> I keep leaving my body three feet to the left. I mean, Daredevil is right behind you, so yeah, it's that's very fair. distracting. Uh, thank you so much for coming to the show. What Aww. our audience might not know is that not only are you a lifelong dyed-in-the-wool nerd and comic book fan, we do a comic book show together and he's generally yes, bad, uh, that you used to buy for a shop, uh, that you were a manga maven, uh, and also that you are an amazing voice actor and director, and Barry Allen? I got to, I've, I've gotten to play Barry Allen twice now. To play, I've gotten to play him twice. I'm a big Flash fan. I've always been a huge... I, I, I got into the Flash because of Wally West, which a lot of us... You know, that, that new DC... I was, I, was a Wally, I was a Wally kid, but I found Barry through Wally. Yeah. Uh, and learned to love Barry the way that Wally loves Barry. <laughs> uh, and I've now gotten to play uh, Barry Allen in two games, most recently the, uh, uh, the uh, DC... Uh, um, a little game called Injustice 2. Injustice 2. And, uh, that indie game that came Injustice out. Injustice 2 yeah. and way back in the day, Mortal Kombat versus DC, I also got to play Barry Allen. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh, amazing. They brought a couple of us back from that game, and it was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, and I got to say some really... I got to even do the, like, waking up from being drugged in, like, in, in the Batcave and doing the... Am I in the Batcave? Where... The, you know, <laughs> oh god, what happened? Uh, yeah, and yeah, th- those those games are so much fun to record. I can't even begin to tell you. It's it's such a pleasure. How did you approach being like? What does my Barry sound like? Um, in the in the first one, literally, it was it was it was a thirty second conversation because I was like, is this? You know, I was like, is it Barry Wally Bart? Which one do you want? And they're like, it's it's Barry. Is it animated Barry or live action Barry? <laughs> animated Barry or comic book Barry? Animated Barry. Okay, cool. Got it. I was like, <laughs> like equalizer. And literally, they were like, "How much a week?" It was about forty bucks. I'm like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> um, in this one, I, the, the scripts for, for for Injustice were so tight, and they had such a clear idea. I, I I got the idea by playing the first game and then reading some of the comic books. Of they were Tom like, mm-hmm. yeah, and they they were like, we wanted mm-hmm. to bring a little ba- a bit of 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 Barry back because you lose a lot of Barry Injustice one. They're like, we want him. The second he he's like he's very mournful. If you know the if you know the games, he's he's really messed up. He was on the wrong side of, of the fight in the first game, and then like the second he puts the suit back on, we want him to start just enjoying himself a little too much again. And like just just have him. He knows he shouldn't be having fun, but God, it feels good. And it's like that's always what get. happens with that character. Is he's very stuffy when he's not in the suit. Uh, Barry Barry's the bow tie boy, and then. And then the minute he puts on the suit, it's woo! <laughs> now, you grew up reading comics, and that's been your life, and now you get to create characters. Yeah. And now you, as a person, gets to be the one inventing these tales weekly. What was 
the biggest influence you think that led to what you're doing now from the world of growing up with the comics? Oh, so that like, had to be how like, from like the, 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 the from like reading the Crit Role, like I like you oh, know, yes. like oh, yeah. there's a show called Critical Role. Oh yeah, that's a bunch a thing of you I do. already yeah. watch it, but a couple of you might not. Uh, but it's it's I also play Dungeons so. and Dragons for a living, uh, <laughs> and you're amazing. Oh. <laughs> and you can invent characters under exceptional circumstances. Uh, and I think that has to come from a, a lifetime of, of you know absorbing all this. Creativity. Oh yeah, well it's the big mythology of it. It's the icon. Like any time, like you, like it's it's like. Like you, you finish. You're, you're 11 years old, and you finish reading all the Greek myths, and you go into the Egyptian mythology, and you read all the uh, the Egyptian mythology, and you're like Nordic mythology, and you read all the Nordic mythology, and you're like, I'm running out of mythology. <laughs> I, I need more epic uh, battles and gods, and then you're like Superman. Okay, <laughs> and and it really feeds that same like that same thing as a kid where you learn how to write your name in hieroglyphs. <laughs> we all did that, right? We all did that. Uh, it, it feeds that same thing, and like the minute you start seeing, and you know, growing up in this in this town, you you, you meet enough writers. You because you're from people. here. I am f- born and raised, yeah. born and raised LA, and like uh, people that I read comic books as a kid growing up with are now writing them. Mm. Yeah. And we were like, I like one of my like I got friends working on the new Black Panther animated series. I got friends writing on Flash. I, you know, everyone everywhere is doing something fun. Uh, and you talk about the structure of these things long enough, and you start to see the little patterns and what works and what doesn't, and that inevitably feeds your own imagination, hmm. especially if you're trying to make a living in this town. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. You know. <laughs> Creatively? Uh, Artists? Making money? Weird. Mm. No, that's nuts. Less likely than you think. <laughs> so in this comeuppance of... Mm. No, that comeuppance is negative. In this comeup of the world of DC being all these amazing shows and seeing this new Barry Allen, plus seeing the new take in the comics and seeing these things, and you have portrayed them what do you think about reading all of these things and how they've evolved is that fun for you as someone that's actually had their own take on i totally read them out loud yes <laughs> yes. yes uh we every now and then we do it too i i actually i mean like one of my favorite things to do on occasion back when i was having voice acting classes and it was we would bring comic books in and we'd radio play them oh that's beautiful uh, and it was it was such a it's a great exercise yeah. Um, especially this was like before there was too many animated versions of these characters. But yeah, totally now I get to like anytime I get a flash book, I read some of it out loud. Just be like, yeah, man. <laughs> That's totally cool. That's so. beautiful. Aww. That's amazing. No, and, not, and Barry Allen's voice is so much fun to do. So he's... He's a better version of me. I didn't know you were doing that back in the day since the, that game. That's amazing. Oh, man. I would like I was it was it was I was so happy. I was like literally like running into walls. I was so excited. <laughs> Who's on your wish list? If this is a fair question of mm. like, who would you like to add to your to your repertoire? Um, I, this is weird. I'm, I'm, my voice is changing the older I get. So so this is probably a l- little out of date. I really wanted to play uh, multiple man. If it was it was if it was uh, yeah. uh, Mar- I would really love to, to do Jamie. Uh, that sounds weird. Uh, God, <laughs> I mean, there was, there was a few. I, I thought I could have pulled off a good, a good, uh, not the new Nova, but the old Nova. I mm-hmm. like, I, I, I do very good. I, my, my voice tends to fall into uh, lovable schmarmy jerks, <laughs> which is why I like Barry works kind of well because there's a little pompous. Like anybody who's just a little smug, but at the same time likable. And now I'm starting to get a little like young Wolverine. I'm starting to do a lot of rasp, so I can uh, get in there now. So. I mean, I'm hoping so for it, some some raspy stuff. In real life, a Quentin yeah. Choir, but I've always seen you as like a Plastic Man oh, type. Oh, bless you. So. I, I never actually do the voice of Quentin. The, those too, those two, yeah, the Quentin Choir Plastic Man is how I've always seen you. Oh, <laughs> God, Plastic Man is so much fun. That's, that'd be a great Plastic that's Man. That's how I've always seen you in, in my personal no, that'd be fun, video. You know? Yeah. It's a bit of a, yeah. The charming schmarm. <laughs> so speaking of comic books, we do have quite the pull list this Ooh. week that I want to dive into. And Talson's actually read all of these. I so read actually, it all. They're two ahead I, of me. You're not 
knocked my socks off. We pulled these based on like best guesses, and you got up this morning and actually—that's amazing. I'm so I, impressed. I sat down, I downloaded all of them, and immediately read and like and like read them all. So, so good. we've got these five, and the first one he that my, them my them. bias might be uh, coming through: uh, Black Panther versus Deadpool. Number one is my number one <laughs> pull for the week, and Amy was nice enough to say, "Fine." How is it fun? <laughs> it's perfect How because is that Daniel fun? Kibblesmith. I haven't even read it yet, yep. but I know because Daniel Kibblesmith. He's so brilliant. He knows both of these characters. He writes them so differently, but they're both so like exactly them in their boxes. And then I didn't think they'd mesh, but they worked. No, and they're so unhappy to deal with each other on every conceivable level. And the art is gorgeous and fluid. And yeah, oh. so, I've been looking forward to this book for a long time. Number two is the DC's been embracing uh, Harley's destiny as kind <laughs> of their Deadpool. Um, and it's uh, weird. Greenlit this miniseries, Old Lady Harley. Old Lady Harley, running alongside Sam Humphrey's Harley Quinn, which I am very excited about. Is this uh, totally crazy? It's just in the future. It's the Mad Maxed out. Um, it's following up on a story from when Frank Terry was writing Harley. There was like mm. a one or two issue old lady Harley uh, story. Um, and then this one, you can you can jump in right here. And essentially, it's just what it sounds like. It's basically like an old man Logan, except it's Harley. And I love that because nobody ever does that. And I that's never thought it was very coming. exciting. It's yeah. It's it's a weird it's a weird book. It's a very weird <laughs> book. It it's it's really Looney Tunesy. Uh, have you read it yet? I haven't. It's very it's Looney Tunesy. It somehow is still cheesecakey, which is awkward, but works. A lot of the art is great. She looks a little bit too like still nineteen, like she's yeah, there, an old lady in the face. But yeah, and there's mm-hmm. a couple costumes. I'm like, I like. I have friends who wouldn't go clubbing in that. Dear, dear God, put a put 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 a put a belt on. But I tend to operate uh, under the assumption that most people working on Harley don't have a choice in her costume right now. No, and and, and there are multiple takes on it, and some of them are really interesting, kind of a tank girl kind of vibe, which yeah. I really dug. Uh, it's very fourth wall breaky. Uh, there's a Jean Grey joke they make. Love that. Radio. I love it's great. That. Uh, and but in the last page, there's a spoiler on the last page of like like a big reveal that is. I, was I like, did flip through and I was like, no, I feel really good about putting this on the like, list because I'm definitely reading this. I'm reading issue two now because of that last page. They so were like, I was like, this is fun. This is weird. This isn't okay. I'm in. <laughs> Since uh, I don't work at a comic store and I'm not a morning person, I haven't read it yet because today is Wednesday, but I will be. And our third poll of the week is Moon Knight number 200. The big 200! Which is incredible that Moon Knight's gotten here and give it a show. Um, Please give it a show. This book has had a very, uh, all 200 issues tumultuous run. Moon Knight's been very good and very bad. This, I think, is a good arc of Moon Knight. I think it's a good jumping on point. I think it's, a, it's the character's always confusing by its nature, but if there is a jumping on point, it would be around here. I, I hadn't I hadn't read this in a while, and somehow it got weirder. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun though. It's a dense book, and the the book has been dense for the last like this last twelve issues have been really dense since they brought it back. It's been a lot of understanding mythology as the baseline, and then building on top of that, and then understanding a certain amount of psychology, and then building on top of that. So your knowledge of things has to be at least founded. It's a higher level book. Here's my inside baseball thing. It's a little bit of like of like maybe like Marvel's attempt at an Animal Man book. It gave me a little bit of vibe of like old school Animal Man. Like it, it not quite fourth wall breaking, but definitely a nudge to like this is crazy, and we're just going to be nice people. This is a comic book about nice people who are not very nice people. And I think that's a show they haven't done. I know. And I think that, that Moon Knight really has a good place on serialized television, especially if <sighs> multiple unreliable narrators. And See, Moon Knight should be a Legion spinoff. That's yes. how they do that. I would love that. <laughs> yes, he meets Moon Knight in the uh. psych ward. Yes. Uh, and our fourth poll of the week is X-Men Red number nine, which is a Tom Taylor book. And Tom Taylor, I think, is one of the most exciting writers working right now. Tom Taylor consistently writes great teams. He made X-23 one of my favorite characters of all time, which is a, quite the testament because that character could have been a very 
write-offable mm-hmm. character. Uh, he introduced us to Gabby, which is her clone who doesn't feel pain, who is the most adorable little sister. Uh, also, there's a talking Wolverine, like the animal. Uh, X-Men Red is all of those things, but in the team book, and it makes Jean Grey the leader. And Jean Grey, I would argue, is the best she's been in years in this book. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not a huge Jean Grey fan, and I love this book. She, she really, like, the, what they're doing with her in this book is amazing. And it's got Rachel, it's got Rachel Grey, who's one of my favorite, and Cassandra Nova. Who's one of my favorite villains? It's oh. he like reads our X Men. Like yeah. Tom Taylor clearly is like, oh these, because there's so many X Men, you can really assemble whatever team as long as Marvel's behind you. This team is the team I'd want to see, and, and they're I all am acting a huge Grey fan, so I like I'll go through all the different versions. But like, it's just nice to have people actually excited about her again and have her. I, in the I'm, world. I'm excited, and I'm, and I'm Team Emma, so like that's impressive. <laughs> that's saying a lot. Yeah. Have you been reading X Men Red? I have not caught up You'll on X Men Red. I know it's it's, it's really coming good. Highly recommended. It's really really good. So X Men Red's a solid book to pick up on, and our final of the week is. Rolled and told number two, which I would love to hear about because I have no idea what this okay, is. Okay, so <laughs> on, the, small, on the speedy way. Uh, Thank yeah. you for pulling this one. I, I put this on the list as kind of a cheat to tell, and and, uh, and also because I just want to shout it out. There's a small publisher called Lion Forge. They're doing Voltron. They're doing a bunch of other interesting stuff. They've got their an original superhero universe. We got to talk about eventually. Um, but they also greenlit a very unusual thing to go to comic book stores, which is this magazine essentially. It's a magazine. Um, which is. Uh, D&D stuff and indie comics people in like a big fun soup. So there's little adventures you can play. There's uh, a few short comics. Uh, ben Passmore does a comic in there. Some of your indie faves do illustrations for it. And it's just a really cool, interesting thing that not enough people know about. It's, it's got little comics. It's got, it's got modules if you play D&D or if you want to like run a game for you. It's got little games you can run for your friends. Like one of the things they had in this issue was a ghost carnival, including rules for different carnival games. Like it's got like 10 carnival games that you can play in D&D all for 5th edition. It's got magic items i mean like and then it's it's got conversations about character building and like and like ways of dealing with uh character death in in dnd which i know a lot about now uh <laughs> spoilers uh but yeah it, i mean it, it woof that was spoilers uh, <laughs> i apologize but yeah it's i mean like it's really it's something i would have always wanted as a teenager is it's like being able to go to the comic book store and just have a thing that i could yeah like instantly run with my friends and it's like it's like three or four runnable runnable uh runnable modules in there super cute and fun and then like maps and cool it'll introduce you to some artists that you're going to be into i'm just excited mm-hmm. about that this exists in the world it's amazing good job Lionheart. this poll list i think is the most accurate to our taste we've ever assembled <laughs> i think when when you and i were bouncing back and forth on our poll list i was like this is the most this is us so this poll list especially good in comics it's a great time to read comics that sounds amazing and also like a different corner of this universe that you can dive into uh we will do twitter questions next week we're gonna hold on to these because we just hit that hour mark so until next week you've all been lovely stay sweaty